So there's an old Saturday Night Live sketch from back in the 90s. Uh, one of the best eras of Saturday Night Live, by the way, in which uh, the inimitable Chris Farley plays the tropical storm system called El Nino as if he were an all-star wrestler. And he comes on the screen, I am the all-powerful El Nino. All other storms must bow before me. And for those of you who don't habla espanol, El Nino is Spanish for the Nino. Now, it's always hard to do a Saturday Night Live skit as an illustration, especially when it's Chris Farley, but our gospel reading begins in much the same way that that, that skit or the, the conceit that that skit is based upon. Jesus and his disciples are, are leaving the city of Jericho on their final approach to Jerusalem. And there's this blind man who's sitting on the roadside and he's, he's shouting at Jesus. And his name is Bar Timaeus. For those of you who don't habla Aramaic, this means son of Timaeus. This is the equivalent of explaining Spanish words like L to English speakers. Because even if you don't speak Spanish, you're likely to know what L means. So Mark repeating a word like that must serve another purpose. Mark wants us to key in to the meaning of his name. Son of Timaeus, Timaeus doesn't just identify this man's father, but it indicates his, let's say, his existential predicament. It indicates his station of life that he was born into. Timaeus means son of poverty or son of unclean. And it seems very prophetic in this case because Bartimaeus is a blind beggar who's been cast out from his religious and social community. Yet, though without sight, Bartimaeus can in fact see. He sees better than almost everyone in this episode. He can see Jesus, and he calls out to him, Son of David, Bar David, which is a name that confers the very opposite of Timaeus. Instead of poverty, the riches of the universe Instead of uncleanness, radiant holiness. Instead of dependence, radical power. That's what son of David means. Jesus is the king of power. He is the one who gives sight. The one who comes inaugurating a new world where poverty and riches are inverted and exchange value. And poor Bartimaeus, this beggar, dependent upon the charity of others, blind, relying on others just to get to the roadside in order to beg this bum, this moocher, this silent mendicant. He, he's able to see better, in fact, than those with fully functional eyes, better than those with religious pedigree, more clearly than those who work and earn and pay for their own way. And more accurately, it seems better than Jesus' disciples, as well as the larger crowd that is following Jesus around day to day and is ostensibly committed to them, 
to him. Because when, when Bartimaeus shouts and makes his needs known, Mark tells us that many sternly ordered him to be quiet. But he cried out even more loudly. Thank God he did. Thank God, literally, that while Bartimaeus lacks sight, he does not lack a voice. He lacks wealth, but not temerity. He won't be told to shut up. And good for him. Because in his request, we, in his request to Jesus, we see a contrast between him and the disciples. And we see a contrast, perhaps, between him and us. Mark is drawing here a devastating contrast between this beggar's initiative and the aspirations of the disciples. In fact, Jesus asks exactly the same question of Bartimaeus that he had asked of James and John not long before. What do you want me to do for you? Do you remember what James and John wanted? They wanted power. They wanted positions of influence in the new administration. What does Bartimaeus want? He just wants mercy. He wants to see. He wants to follow Jesus on the way, which is Mark's shorthand for the life of discipleship. Bartimaeus wants what the disciples already have but don't value, their, their life and proximity, their life with and proximity to Jesus. While the disciples are chasing what Bartimaeus lacks but doesn't ask for, power and status and recognition. The ones with sight, you see, are unable to see. They're unable to see the value of the kingdom, whereas the one without eyes sees it just fine. Bartimaeus, like the the rich young ruler that we encountered a few weeks ago, encounters Jesus on the way, which is, of course, the only realm of discipleship. The rich man was unwilling to to liquidate his fortune, but Bartimaeus gives away his cloak. And this is important because beggars would spread out their cloaks on the ground to receive alms. So he is He's giving up his only tool of making money. The one at the very pinnacle of social standing, the rich young ruler, he rejects a direct invitation. But the one at the bottom doesn't even wait for an invitation. He cries out to Jesus, asking not only for sight, but he jumps up to join Jesus on the way. Now, we've seen throughout our study of Mark, there are certainly political implications to this because Mark is inverting the traditional way that we determine personal worth and and value and the way that humans almost always arrange society with the strong at the top and the weak gathered at the bottom. And Jesus is saying that this is so, so very wrong and that his kingdom will correct this. No one challenges the rich man when he petitions Jesus, but a poor man, he has to be shout, he has to shout to be heard. And then he has to put up with the the rebuke of the crowd. Get back in line. 
things haven't changed too much, have they? And in Jesus's final days, which we're entering into, we're only a little bit past the halfway mark in halfway mark in Mark, but we've turned the corner to Jesus making his way towards Jerusalem and the events that happened there. And that takes up the rest of the eight chap or six chapters. In his final days on the way to Jerusalem, we see that it's not the rich, it's not the religious. It's not those with social standing that get in line behind Jesus, but it's the poor, it's the blind who are willing to join in Jesus' final crusade against the dominant order. While the rich and the status-obsessed turn away downcast, the poor get in line behind Jesus with great joy. They want to follow him on his way, no matter where it leads, even if it leads to Jerusalem, to death where they have no place. Because for the rich, those who turn away downcast, Jesus' kingdom undermines the very things that they hold so dear. And things haven't changed too much today, have they? In Jesus' kingdom, theoretically, and here in practice, the first have become last, and the last have become first. Bartimaeus's blindness was no doubt a terrible physical affliction. It was an affliction that was physical, economic, political, religious, and spiritual. You see, he was not only a son of poverty, but he was a son of uncleanness. He was cast out. His blindness cast him out of polite society. And like, like Job's counselors, do you remember the story when they reasoned with him that his affliction must have been a result of sin? So Bartimaeus's friends and neighbors would have likely thought the very same thing, would have been happy to have him out on the roadside and not walking alongside with them. You see, he's unclean. He's spiritually afflicted. He's an outcast. He's blind, but he can see. It is the rich man who has everything, including sight, who is actually the one who is blind. And so, friends, I guess we need to ask, what are those attachments in your life that render you blind to Jesus, or at least obscure him? What are those internal demons that you are attached to that make you mute, that make you dumb, that keep you from seeing the world accurately. Only if we renounce our thirst for power, our trust in money as salvation, only if we recognize our own inherent blindness to Jesus' kingdom that only he, through his spirit, can fix, can we really begin to see only then can this discipleship adventure on the way continue. Bartimaeus, the son of poverty, the son of uncleanness, he is the one in this entire chapter, he's the one who sees Jesus pro- properly. It's not the religious leaders. It isn't the rich. It isn't even the disciples who name Jesus properly. It is a poor beggar 
and the kingdom is made up of little ones such as these. You see, seeing in this way is what we call faith. And for Bartimaeus, though he was blind, he had the sight of faith. And that's what Jesus says saves him. And the word that Jesus uses here is this beautiful Christian word that we've used for 2,000 years, sozo, which means to save, but it also means to make whole. You see, these two concepts, salvation and making one whole, physically, economically, spiritually, these two concepts, they weren't starkly divided in the Jewish mind as they are often in ours. Sozo means, in Bartimaeus's case, to be rescued, to be brought into God's kingdom, and it means to be made whole physically, spiritually, religiously, politically. You see, these two things presume one another. God's kingdom is the eternal solution to physical ailments, to the, the tangible things that are wrong with our world. And God's kingdom is the eternal solution to our spiritual loneliness and our, our desolation. And we can't have one fully without having the other. God's kingdom brings wholeness. It brings integration. Or in the case of Bartimaeus being given sight again, reintegration. It brings wellness of all kinds. And so the question for us is how do you want to be made well? How do you want to be reintegrated? How do you want to be whole? And are you asking Jesus for that? Let me rephrase that. Are you from time to time shouting at Jesus for that? Are you shouting at God to make good on his promises in your life? To not only give you an eternal home, but to make this home more stable, more full, more whole, more well. How do you want to be made whole? What do you need to be saved from? And to quote the great Sean Connery who died yesterday, what are you prepared to do? What are you prepared to do about it? Are you prepared to make your needs known? To this community of brothers and sisters that are gathered here, and certainly to Jesus, are you prepared to shout to get his attention? Are you prepared to put yourself in the position of a blind beggar and ask Jesus that he would heal you and heal our church?